Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee Chats with Caroline and Christina, featured here on our Solutions by Southwest Utility podcast. Uh, thank you guys for coming back to episode two. We are pumped that you hopefully heard all of episode one. Um, and we're excited for this episode today. Uh, we have a very special guest, uh, an industry veteran and uh, quite the professional. Christina, do you want to introduce our guest? I am so excited. Um, today we have Westies. He is currently the producer and host of Student Housing Insight podcast and the principal um, with Provincial um, Student Housing. Um, so Wes, I know that you have kind of grown up in the student housing um, industry. So um, you have over, it looks like 20 years experience um, in this industry. Um, sorry, I just dated you. Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> well, it's actually 25 years. 25, over 25 years. years now. So, so of course, the guy's going to be like, oh, no, date me all you want to. Um, so then we have, um, and you're also uh, from my home state of North Carolina, which I um, like love talking to anybody back from home. So, um, and you are a UNCC grad. Um, and so we were probably following the same basketball teams back in high school since we're the same age. So um, yeah. we have that in common too. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Tar Heels and Wolfpack and Blue Devils. Yeah. <laughs> right actually, the only thing I remember learning in chemistry in high school is how to do a um, March Madness bracket. That's the oh, only absolutely. thing that stands out. Oh, and, you know, freezing lettuce with liquid nitrogen. But other than that, it's it's the brackets. And I think that's how you know you went to school in North Carolina is when that's more important than your education. Exactly. Um, oh, my God. Can't relate at all, but that's awesome. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, those were the Christian Leitner days. And, and um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Um, back on to topic, um, Wes, what led you to the multifamily industry from college? Is, is it something you decided you wanted to do back then or like the rest of us, did you kind of fall into it? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about this several months ago about you guys getting this thing going and I know you had a lot of questions and so i um, excited to see that you guys have got this um, a, a reality now and, and carrying forward. I love podcasting and it's, it's one of those things that I encourage everybody to do it. Even, you know, even site managers, like, you know, go out and, and do a simple podcast that you could send out to your residents each week. I think that's just a, you know, an easy way to create community. So, um, glad to see you guys are, are doing this. Um, we really appreciate <laughs> To jump in real quick, we appreciate everything, all the guidance you gave us. You were so generous to give us your time with our questions. And um, you were, I think, one of the first podcasts that I started following in the industry um, a year, over 14, 15 months ago, um, when I went to your recording that you were doing at Interface. And um, you yeah. do those, I know you do those each year live, and those are amazing. So... Um, you really are an inspiration to a lot of us who are just starting out in the whole podcasting thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, th thanks for that. Um, I, you know, I got I got started in this when I was in college, which is probably why I'm still in student housing. Um, it was I tell everybody my my entree into student housing was actually as an owner. Um, 
I was fortunate enough, I guess it was uh, going into my junior year that my parents were, um, and you mentioned UNC Charlotte earlier. I actually started out at Western Carolina um, in Coloey. So um, to uh, to those of you out there that may be Catamounts, um, that's where I got my start. And <laughs> to uh, transfer to UNC Charlotte, and I honestly don't I look back at that time now and I'm like, why did I move away from, you know, the mountains and the streams. And blowing rock, North Carolina. I can tell you, I don't know why anybody leaves. Yeah. I, well, I mean, there was a lot of reasons behind it, but, um, but I'll look back at it now and just say, those were the most ridiculous reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but anyway, yeah. So going into my junior year at UNC Charlotte, um, there was a developer, real estate developer that was building what's commonly referred to as kitty condos. Um, they were before purpose built student apartments happen and you could get the financing and, you know, investors understood it and, and that type of thing. Cause honestly, back then the investors just felt like, you know, it was a animal house that they were invested into. Um, and they really didn't see, really didn't see, you know, kind of the, the value in it, I guess, and the resiliency in student housing. And so um, what kind of came out first were these condos, you know, where the developers would, would purpose build them from a standpoint that, you know, it was bedroom bath parity, had enough parking spaces so that every bedroom had a parking space. And, um, but then sold it to the parents, which I think was also, and they didn't really sell it to the parents. They sold it to the students with the parents being the guarantor um, or a co-signer. And at that point in time, HUD had, you know, a first time home buyer. Well, they still do. Um, but you could qualify for a first time home buyer uh, mortgage and, you know, begin building your credit and all of that with really great interest rate. And so kind of the, you know, the, the marketing ploy or whatever you want to call it behind the kitty condo was you had enough bedrooms that you could rent out at a, at a rate that you could rent out that would cover your mortgage and therefore eliminating, you know, the most expensive part of, of a college education, which is the housing part of it. Right. And, uh, so we did that. I was very fortunate enough to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, found the roommates, you know, did the whole thing you know, of collected rent every month and, and paying the utility bills and all those kind of things. And then the next year, that same developer, along with um, another group out of, uh, out of Tallahassee, Florida, um, like Coastal Property Services, uh, which I don't think they're really involved in student housing anymore, but there were a lot of folks that came out of Coastal Property Services that are still in student housing today, but uh, they were building a, a, a property uh, in at UNC Charlotte that was a was kind of a townhome type of uh, feel to it. Again, four bedroom, four bath, um, and, and they were looking for people to help lease it out. So I started doing that, and you know, had a lot of fun at doing it. It was great, you know, summertime job, and so. As it, summer came to a near, um, or excuse me, as summer came to an end, we, the property manager said, look, we've got to have this. And she came from multifamily. So she 
really didn't know what to expect for movie day and what the first day was going to bring. And, you know, anyway, she said, look, I really appreciate, you know, everything that you've been able to guide us through, you know, with, with learning about the, the school and connecting with the, you know, with the prospects. We're supposed to hire this thing called a resident director that's kind of this, you know, liaison between the office staff <laughs> and the residents mm-hmm. and, you know, do programming and, and res life stuff. Hey, would you be interested in doing that? And I said, you know, I'd never, I was never an RA on campus, but had a lot of friends that were RAs and I knew how um, limited their social life. <laughs> And yeah, I was just like, yeah, super limited. Yeah, I was just like, I, I don't know. And they said, well, it would be, you know, three-fourths off of your rent. And then I was like, I could rent out my room at the condo and make money off of that and then essentially pay what was, I think, like a 100 bucks back then um, for, um, you know, for a really nice apartment and, you know, a pretty cool job. So I ended up doing that. Hey, Wes, if you rented out your room, where did you stay? No, I rented out my room at the, at the condo. Okay. (laughs) I moved into the property. It's called university townhomes. And, um, so anyway, did that. And that was through my senior year. And there was a lot of turnover. That first manager that hired me left, um, to go back to multifamily, brought in someone else from multifamily. Um, and then another person for multifamily. <laughs> so in, in those two years, I had three, you know, three managers from the multifamily background and, and God bless them. Um, <laughs> they, they really tried, but it was just, they just, when move in, move out moving came, they just had no clue as much as especially with that third one as much as i tried to to tell her hey this is this is what's coming up and you know i just know it because i've had to go through it and but i don't know what the heck it is i'm doing and how best to prepare for it but it's you need to pay attention to this and it kind of got put on my back and i got really burned out it was so you know post-graduation i was um they offered me an assistant manager position um, I was going to school to be a teacher and I'd gone through my teaching clinicals and was just like, you know what? I really don't feel like documenting every time a you know kid sneezes and blows his nose. And so we, yeah, I, um, you know, thought about it and said, you know, I'm, I'm actually having more fun with this real estate thing. Maybe I'll continue to do that. And so, um, so did that for, for another year and I was, um, I was just burned out after that last turn and I was also going to real estate school at the same time to get my, my broker's license and decided, you know what, commercial real estate seems really fun. Let me just, you know, go into that like office retail kind of stuff. And so I ended up going into, into commercial real estate. I was there for, I don't know two years, I believe, um, got married during that time frame, and I was just bored to death. Um, retail and office, you know, there's a learning curve the first year. And I think I had about 
18 properties. And so the one thing I did learn from that was the reporting and how to read a P&L and, you know, all those important things. And I, I just, I was like, I think I want to go back to residential because I'm just <laughs> bored. <laughs> so, um, so I started kind of looking around and then that company, um, University Housing Group that sold me that condo and had built the competitive apartment community, uh, reached out to me and said, um, his name's Wes Bradley. And I remembered him because he was, um, uh, he was d- the developer's son and was kind of in the process of taking over the, the company from his father. And uh, the reason they started kind of switching over to focusing on apartments instead of these kitty condos was because um, uh, HUD, I guess, basically finally wised up to what these developers were doing and that it wasn't really a first time home buyer. It was, you know, a parent that was, um, or, or a student that, yes, they did li- live in it for a certain amount of time, but, you know, the goal was to, you know, basically rent the other rooms out. And then also those things, those properties ended up becoming rental properties, you know, within two or three years after, after the student had purchased them. So they made this rule where uh, you can no longer have, um, I think more than four bedrooms and there could, there could not be bed bath parity. Um, And so that just kind of, that had to, honestly, um, Bob Bradley, who was the, the CEO um, and it started the company and basically just said, you know, this is done. I'm packing it up. And, um, and Wes Bradley, his son said, you know what? I think we can do this. I think we can still do this with apartments. And so they got ultra focused on apartments at that point. And that was their first one at, at UNC Charlotte. And so anyway, I had a friend that was a previous, that was a previous roommate, was also a previous employee of mine that, uh, you know, called me up and said, Hey, they're looking for a manager. You may want, you may want to reach out to them. And I'd, I'd met Wes before because we were one, we had the same name and that was just kind of peculiar, but also it was just the fact that, um, you know, I was calling him, he was, his father basically told him when that happened, uh, when that shift happened, he said, okay, you can go do apartments, but we don't know anything about apartment management. We've done condos for the past 25 years. So you've got to go learn how to do this. And, and so him and his wife, pretty much the first two years of that development, you know, they, they were the manager. I mean, they had one hired as well, but they they were the the management group. And, uh, Wes was a really smart guy and had developed some really good systems that, you know, all the things that I was complaining about at that first location, he had figured out, I mean, he had the same problems, but you know, he figured it out where, you know, I was, you know, in school or recent graduate and was like, this doesn't really feel like my job. I don't know that I should be be instituting, you know, um, procedures. And, and of course in his situation, you know, that's exactly what he was there to do. And so uh, I reached out to Wes and we had an interview and he hired me and, I started right in the middle of August turn. I'll never Ooh, forget August the timing. 8th. <laughs> August eighth, two thousand three. <laughs> um, I had just 
No, it was 2002. I just got married. And um, uh, so ended up, ended up doing that for about a year. And he had some great things that he had put in place um, that, that made my job so much easier. And then there were a lot of things I was putting in place, especially from, uh, you know, a financial um, reporting standpoint that made things better for him as far as with reporting to, to uh, banks and, and to investors and that type of thing. And, and so after that first year, and, and the thing you got to know about student housing, especially when you're looking at late 90s and early 2000s, folks that stuck it out on site ended up moving up really fast. And um, uh, at that same time was when a lot of these companies were going public or, you know, the, the investment crowd had finally figured out, oh, this is a pretty resilient um, asset class. And so, but the thing is, you know, as I mentioned to you earlier, and the reason I took the time to explain it, no one from multifamily, conventional multifamily could really get it uh, as far as from an operation standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of reasons I think why, but I'm not going to get into that, but it's, you know, it's just a, it's a different pace and it's, uh, you're dealing with, you know, if you've got a 500 bed community, you're not just dealing with 500, potentially 500 residents. You're dealing with those 500 residents plus their parents. And, and you know, for some reason, all of my parents, um, was an attorney. So, <laughs> oh, lucky you. Um, so there's that. Jackpot. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't the jackpot. It was just one of those things where, you know, anytime there was an issue, it was, well, my dad's an attorney. And, you know, so, so anyway, it was just, it, like I said, it was just a, it was a different pace. And so these operators and, you know, I've been this past year, we've done this profile series where I'm interviewing a lot of the folks that came before me and after me. And, and also, you know, during um, the time, Miles Orth with Campus Apartments is a, is a great example because um, he kind of had a, a path similar to mine, but with a much, a couple of much larger companies. Uh, but the timing was, was about the same and we experienced the same thing, a lot of the same things. And it was one of those things where it, the operators had more faith in, you know, a 22, 23 year old, um, kid basically who had been spending, you know, three or four, um, you know, three or four years learning the student housing business and, and kind of the cycle, they had more faith in that person being successful than they did bringing on someone with 10, 20 years of experience in multifamily. And, uh, you don't have to teach yeah, anything. You don't have to unlearn anything, and you know the you know the residents better than anyone at that particular stage in your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And let me tell you, working in student housing at that age makes you grow up really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been an old soul. My mother has told me, as well as my wife, but um, I, my coworkers agreed with that too. And it was just you know, it's because I I had to be the adult. Right. As three college students, I can't imagine being surrounded by um, 500 college students and trying to make it all work. 
much less yeah. all of the parents that I'm also very familiar with. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, getting back to that that first job with um, with the Bradley Company and University Housing Group, that was uh, yeah, that was that was my my first I think real job in student housing. Um, but again, it did start several years back with um, uh, you know buying that buying that first condo and trying to you know figure out how to get it leased out, which wasn't that hard. But um, trying to <laughs> again trying to be the the adult in the in the situation. <laughs> And, and realizing that you know it was um, it was different being an owner of an apartment than it was being a tenant of an apartment. <laughs> drastically, so, drastically different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I ended up um, I ended up becoming their VP of property management um, pretty quickly, and um, they also had some stuff that was some rural development housing that Bob Bradley had developed very early on, and. He, uh, he wanted me to take that on and along with the student housing portfolio and just being around that long enough, I knew that I, I made the right decision and being, you know, focusing on student housing. And, um, cause again, it was one of those situations where the, the conventional stuff was just, um, it was just boring. I, I don't know how <laughs> No, no offense to, you know, the listeners out there that, you know, were on the conventional multifamily side. Um, but, and, and now, you know, even the, even the product is, you know, much more sexier and, and, you know, has a lot more components to it. Um, but back then, especially in the Southeast, everything was garden style, you know, you know, it just, it didn't, just a, there wasn't a, a lot of character to it, I guess is the best way of putting it. And, um, and so that's, that's, I think why I found my home with, with student housing and yeah, I can go on from there about the rest of my career, but it's been, uh, that, that's how to answer your question. That's how I got started in it. I am fascinated that you were in, you did commercial, a stint in commercial for a little bit, Wes. I think that's really interesting. Um, Especially since I'm going to relay this message to um, our intern this summer, who is convinced that she also wants to do commercial real estate, but I am trying to convince her that she wants to do this. Um, but uh, she is convinced she wants to do commercial. So I will let her know that you have said it is incredibly boring and yeah, she if, will if not be, be fulfilled. The, if you can be on the leasing side of office and retail, it's fantastic because you're, you're meeting people and developing relationships that, I mean, the folks that were, uh, you know, they would have never put a 23 year old kid in that position, um, uh, when I was working for them. But, and so, you know, but those leasing agents were typically, you know, in their mid thirties, some of them uh, older and it was, um, I, you know, I, I was kind of following what they were, you know, what they were involved with. And, and that was something that I could, you know, I had some interest in doing, but I knew that it was, I was going to have to spend a long time under, you know, somebody learning it and, you know, it'd probably be, you know, 10 to 15 years before I got to an income range that, you know, I would be within student housing. <laughs> so it was just like, 
and plus I was just bored, but, but yeah, on the commercial side, specifically with office and retail, if you can be involved on the leasing side, I think that's, I think that's, I think someone who has the same personality that I do, I think we get a lot out of it. The operation side is just, it's just too monotonous. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, that's but, annoying. The routine, the never ending, like, routine can be infuriating actually can kind of make you go mad so i hear that oh my gosh i hear that but i will eagerly relay your feedback to our (laughs) team member who i am trying desperately to convince that commercial real estate no that's not for you (laughs) listen this is what you want it's right here it's a good blend Sometimes people just have to smell it to know that it stinks. So. You're right. No, you're so right. And what I also thought was interesting when you were sharing your intro to uh, this world with us is that you were originally going to school for teaching. What? Tell, what? I want to talk about that for a hot second. What was up with that? What Did you want to be a professor? So, or? so history was a really strong subject, like freakishly strong. Um me and so it was I thought about going to law school um but I just felt like I needed to get a break and so I you know I thought yeah I'll go into teaching I'll do some coaching and then you know maybe later in my 20s I can go to law school and um yeah I yeah that's that's what I thought I wanted but um, it's so good that, you know, you go through that, that clinical, um, session and your student teaching sessions, because you, you can find out pretty quick if this is something that you want to, you know, you want to spend your life doing, if you want to spend a certain part of your career doing. And I just, well, it's part of the reason that me and my wife homeschool our kids now. Um, the, the systemic issues in our in our public schools i just do not see any um and not to make this a a political podcast but i just don't i don't have any hope in it quite i've lost hope a long time ago and um so and that and that was part of it because i just saw i saw behind the scenes and i'm like this is ridiculous (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's either for you or not my sister-in-law is um in her mid twenties and she went to school got a teaching degree taught for exactly one year, but she actually graduated during the whole and started teaching during the pandemic. So probably not the best start to your teaching career and then has since left it after like a whole year. So, um, yeah, they, it's either, I think something you love or you don't love, but I think a lot of us, um, like your, our age group, um, none of us knew like property management wasn't like something you aspired to. We all kind of fell into yeah. it and it's kind of addicting the whole, I mean, there's so much about, you talked about, you know, the boring part of it. Um, my days back on property and then now as a supplier, nothing is the same. And yeah. it gives you an opportunity to do so many things and, and to go so many places, which I think yeah. like sucked us all in. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, my, my father was a firefighter and my, um, uh, and spent most of, um, he was a firefighter when I was younger. And then was the, um, 
was our emergency management director for the county that we lived in. And my mother was a nurse. And so they really loved what they did. And it was, you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, I wanted to be able to, or it's just built into me, I guess, that I'm going to really care and put and pour myself into whatever work I'm doing. And I think if I'd gone into teaching, I probably would have done that. And, and it, it just wouldn't, it just, I don't think it would have been as re- rewarding just because I don't feel like there's the support. And, you know, Ken, this was 23 years ago. There wasn't the support then for teachers, you know, and, um, and so good, yeah, bless them for what they do. I, yeah, there, there's a lot of times I think, well, yeah, I could have, you know, what would have been right if I, if I'd stayed that, that route and maybe, I don't know, maybe when my kids, I've got four kids and, um, uh, so maybe after they're out of the house and I'm still looking for something to do, maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll go back and, and teach high school history at that point. I think it's really interesting. And I, I uh, always love to hear that part of people's stories. The What did you think you were going to be doing? Or what did you think you were supposed to be doing in an earlier season of life? Uh, I thought I was going to be a neurologist or a pastor. So here we are in multifamily. So, uh, you know, to each their own. Um, but I can appreciate wanting to do something you're passionate about and you know, there seems to be a consistent element here of, of serving and pouring into people that I'm hearing. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, uh, being a teacher that is fulfilled, I think, you know, being in the world that you are now doing what you do, especially with your podcast, being an educator, because really at the end of the day, the conversations that you have and that you facilitate, they're so educational. They're so insightful, yeah. right? It's, there is a, a massive um, streak, if you will, of serving and pouring into people. And yeah. um, I think you're doing what you should be doing. It just looks a little different than maybe what you originally thought, which is so cool. It is so, yeah. as somebody who's very young in the industry and watching and, and learning from people, it's uh, incredibly inspiring um, because Christina's right. Like, I don't think any of us intended truly on being here, but hello, here we are. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. I was, um, I wanted to be a, uh, TV journalist and I'm sure you'll remember at the time, Elon college, um, Wes, they had like the only like real TV studio on campus. And I'm sure you got like a million different, uh, that was like every flyer they sent out and every mailing they sent out back then. Cause we didn't go looking on websites to find our colleges. Um, was like Elon's college communications department was amazing, but then they didn't have a ski team and Lise McRae did. So Lise McRae went out and, Oh, okay. Gotcha. But yeah. um yeah, so it's it's really cool how and how everybody kind of got started. And I think we all I think everybody who's a lot of people in now, we're all in that early two thousands group. Some of us older people all kind of stayed. I don't know a lot of people who like really left. I think we've all just moved around companies and, and changed positions. So it's been pretty neat to to grow in the industry with people. I'm well, sure you've seen that too. Yeah, once you have a network of people you know, be it on the operation side, be it with the, the vendors and, and typically both, it's really hard to walk away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, um, 
uh, I, I probably shouldn't call out names, but, um, you know, for, for example, with, um, somebody that w when I went out on, onto my own, um, or went out on my own from, from my consulting standpoint, there were some folks that I really had to lean on to make a lot of introductions for me. And, and it's somebody that could just be there to say, you know, when I had those times of, I don't know if I'm going to make this <laughs> happen or not. And, um, one of those were, it was, um, Joanna Rell, which she is now with MRI, but at the time she was, um, she was with one of the supply companies, um, and, and she was here locally in Charlotte. And so we would always have lunch or coffee or whatever, and, you know, catch up. And then, um, uh, also Lisa and Martha from South Park Interiors, um, you know, if it wasn't for them on, on some of the introductions that they made for me pretty early on, um, I don't think, um, I don't think providential student housing would still be around. I don't know if student housing insight would have ever happened. Mm. Um, so, you know, big thanks to those people, but it, but it is, it's one of those things. Once you start making those type of relationships, mm -hmm. you feel very vested and you just don't want to step away from it. Right. So I, I always, always tell people, I think of NAA uh, as much as a chance to, you know, work with your clients and, and meet new clients is also like a homecoming with all of your supplier friends. Like, where are people now? What are they doing? Um, I've known some, most, most of my contacts longer than I've, some of my children have been alive. So, and they're all in college now. So that tells you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, you know, what I was, uh, what I meant to say about um, Joanne and when she stepped into her position at MRI, she wasn't um, she wasn't necessarily in a position where she was going to be interfacing with um, student housing folks as much. And <laughs> between that and the pandemic keeping everybody apart, when there was interface this year, she was like, "I'm going." <laughs> <laughs> I miss talking to everybody, and and so yeah, that's that, that's the kind of community that we. Uh, that we certainly have in student housing, and I see that happen, you know, in the in the bigger multifamily um, sector as well. I mean, apartmentalize, you know, I don't think it would be as big as it is if it wasn't for, you know, that type of feeling that this industry, um, uh, you know, that this industry creates. So yeah, it's relationships. It's I whenever I talk to people, it's we are a part of one of the most intimate industries that there are i mean like it is so intimate from working relationships to who we serve to the people whose legacies we're building and supporting and i mean it is so relationship focused and community driven it's insane so it's the name of the game um tell us about uh uh your let's talk about your podcast how like how did that come to be yeah. and then <laughs> let's talk about psh tell us a little bit about that so um mentioned earlier i've got i had four kids i had three of those kids in the five years that i was um that i was at campus evolution villages which was a company that um i, I hate to say I, I founded it or that I, I was one of the founders but i was there at the very beginning <laughs> and uh I, we, over those five years or got to the end of those five years, I had three, my wife had three kids, um, during that time. 
And I should say two during that time, one right before we started Campus Evolution. And it was, um, I, I just saw myself losing, um, felt like I was still in startup mode and felt like I was losing a lot of important time with my kids. And I won't go through the process of, of, um, well, going back earlier, talk about, you know, pouring yourself into something. Um, and you know, I, I do, I do believe, um, that there are these divine intersections that we have, you know, within our life and, and career. And I was, um, offered a position, uh, to go somewhere where I really thought this could be perfect. And, um, got there for about six weeks and I was like, mm, nope, <laughs> <laughs> Thank no, God. not moving Thank God. for this. And well, yeah. And, and it was certainly a God thing because, <clears throat> yeah, I think he, he certainly knew that I was not going to walk away from what I was doing if it wasn't for something, you know, that I felt like I could, you know, even do better. Right. And, um, so, so yeah, I, I, I stopped with that or, you know, just changed course and I'd done some consulting, um, back in 2010 when everything was, was warming back up, uh, or thawing back out, however you want to say it after the great recession. And, uh, cause everybody immediately put their focus on student housing cause it had been so resilient through that, through that time period. Plus, you know, when you go through a recession, as I'm sure we're going through now, um, most people stay in school because there's not the jobs out there that they want to get. And a lot of people go back to school. And so from that standpoint, you know, student housing has always remained resilient. And um, where was I going with all this? Um, what were we talking about? Are you <laughs> So you also had one of those. I was my family. This was also my family when I dropped my son off at daycare and said, "You know what? I need more time with my kid." Um, everybody else. Is yeah, watching yeah, 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 yeah. Bringing it back yeah. to family. Yeah, and so, so yeah. Sorry, I go off on bunny trails from time to time. <laughs> know, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, said I, I think, I think from a consulting standpoint, that makes the most sense for me right now. So. Um, I established providential student housing and it was, um, uh, that was something that I started back in, you know, 2010 when I, when I was doing some consulting, it was just a name that I gave it. Um, actually there's a lot behind that name, but I'm not going to spend the time going into that now. But, uh, anyway, just kind of started that back up and, you know, made it a, uh, kind of a real thing, you know, gave it a logo and all those kind of things. And, um, I was getting some great leads from, you know, folks in the industry. Um, a big thanks to Madison Meyer with uh, Cardinal. At the time, she was with Campus Advantage, and, and there, was, there were typically some assignments that uh, were presented to them or engagements presented to them that they either had a conflict of interest or it was too small for them to do. And both her and, and Scott Duckett, um, who was there at that time would pick up the phone and say, Hey, Wes, you know, we're going to refer this over to you. 
And so that, that kept me busy along with um, some other referrals. And I just kept thinking, okay, what's going to happen when these referrals run out? And I've got to do something to promote myself, which is always hard for me to do. But um, it's, it was especially hard for me to do at that point in my life. But um, anyway, I, you know, I was really plugged into um, to, to Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary yeah, v. Gary V. It's my yeah, favorite. And, you know, he, the thing he was just saying over and over again is his voice is coming back. Everybody's listening to podcasts. Everybody's doing the, um, uh, you know, the Amazon Echo um, uh, short stories or whatever that they have. And, you know, you need to, you know, you need to consider that as part of what you're doing from a marketing standpoint. And there was no one that was really doing a student housing podcast, um, COCM or Capstone on Campus, uh, which only deals with on-campus stuff. They were, they had one and I, you know, I enjoyed listening to it. It gave me a lot of uh, background knowledge on relationships with the universities and things like that. Um, but it, you know, outside of that, I didn't think it was really answering a lot of questions for investors and developers that you know were getting into the space for the first time and those were my kind of those were my key clients and so it's like okay i'm going to put together five podcast episodes um and basically on things that people are are reaching out to me about um and i'll put those out there maybe i'll do a dozen you know for the year or something and it'll just live out there until you know uh, and i can use it as a tool or whatever I put those, I put those five out and, um, you know, I, I had a lot of people kind of clamoring and saying, Oh, this is great. You know, love listening to it. Um, and somebody said to me, we would like to sponsor it and get on it. Cause it was one of those things like it had just come out. So everybody was talking about it. And, um, and so there was a, a group that, um, certainly for this podcast will remain, um, <laughs> the client because it was a competitor but they came to me and said hey we would love to sponsor it and 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 you know it gets some get some advertising out of it and so we did that and monetized it and thought okay i'll keep doing this and what was really cool about it, it did everything i wanted it to do from a standpoint of bringing me you know more of my uh, potential clients but it was, uh, I started getting a lot of feedback from folks that had been in the industry for, you know, five or eight years, five to eight years, you know, that were regional managers. Some were still site managers, but most of them were regional managers. And they were sending me, you know, DMs on LinkedIn and sending me emails thanking me for, you know, covering some, you know, certain topic. Um, I think one of the main ones was with, um, Susan Falkmer with, uh, she's the chief investment officer with price company. And, um, she was one of those first five that we did. And it was just, you know, put, how to put together a student, not how to put together a student housing deal, but what had to be in place. Um, and, and what had to be explained to investors and that type of thing and what the capital stack looked like. And, and so that was when I remember I got a lot of feedback on from, um, folks that I would consider my peers that were just saying, Wes, thanks for 
you know, saying this because I've been in the industry this long and no one's explained the capital stack. No one's explained, you know, why we do this, you know, during the early development stage. And I thought, okay, well, this, this is helping people. And it, it kind of came back to my, I think my teaching roots a little bit. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, maybe we should, maybe we should do something more with this. And so we started, we expanded to some other co-hosts to, to, you know, talk to some topics that I couldn't really talk that well to. And, you know, really started focusing on that, that site level to regional manager type of listener and, and creating content for them. And I think it's done well, but about a year later, um, I had some of those same sponsors come back to me to say, well, she should really do a conference. And I was like, God, like that's wow, that, that's the last thing. I <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I was just like, okay, well, let's try that out. So we tried one out at the, the Whitewater Center in, in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, had a, had a good showing and we said, okay, well, let's, let's do this again. But the one thing that I realized was, uh, you know, everybody that came to the one in Charlotte, were all from, you know, the Carolinas, you know, had some from Tennessee, had some from Virginia, but that was, that was really it. And it occurred to me certainly that, you know, site managers it's really tough for them to get off site for two or three days because first things first you know that continuing ed budget has to come out of the property well you know owners aren't necessarily excited about that unless the property is performing really well and um and then just with the leasing cycle and everything in student housing like it's really hard to step away and, and so we said let's do regional summits instead of you know instead of some big conference and let's let's take it to everybody and so we tried that in 2019 we did four they were um pretty successful from a standpoint of they got better each time um and yeah so that's uh that's what we did in 2019 and we said okay well let's do this for another year went into 2020 and we were going to be doing our first one, I think in May or June and March, 2020 happened. And it was just obvious by the time we got to May that we were going to have to cancel all of these that we had scheduled for the year, all these regional summits. So that's what ended up happening. And we were pivoting, you know, to, to go back before that, before we even made that decision, um, we had a couple of podcasts that came out right as Corona was gearing up and we got a lot of feedback um, from folks and the listenership was just through the roof because everybody was like, what the heck's going on? You know, what's going to happen with our international students? We happen to have, you know, someone that is lives in the UK and is a huge consultant to universities about um, international movement and, and that type of thing. And so he was one of the folks that, we talked to, we actually had something scheduled for him, not even thinking anything about COVID. And, um, that was, I think that was, we recorded that like maybe the third week of March and it was like, okay, you know, how's this going to impact things? Mm. And 
so there were a lot of things like that that were coming out that were helpful and we were you know hearing back from folks and we said you know we should probably just do a webinar series because this is going to be lasting for a few months um (laughs) month or so (laughs) so um so we did that we we ended up doing a a six-week it was we did one meeting every single week and then we did another one every other week the one that was we were doing every other week I actually brought in um, folks on the on the on campus side oh. because the biggest thing we were trying to to figure out was you know what are the university what kind of plans are they making and uh, and so those were those were very helpful to to folks because you know some of the we we get really just concentrated on the um, kind of the power five but we would actually bring in typically three or four from a region um, three or four on campus administrators from, from a specific region. And so that became something that, you know, people, at least the feedback that we got was, was really strong. And so we said, you know what, maybe we should just pivot, you know, and do some webinars. So, we started doing that. And at that point in time, like I was really busy with one particular client, um, for reasons I'm not going to go into, but I was like, you know, okay. SHI just needs to be something that I'm not going to put it on the shelf, but I'm just going to give attention to it to make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's on life support. Right. And, and so we did that through 2020 and 2021. <laughs> And 2021 was a pretty successful year for me on the on the um, consulting side. And we said, okay, we've got some runway money here to do some things. You know, do we put it back on the consulting side or do we put it into SHI? And there were some things I really wanted to do with SHI, not just from a podcast standpoint, but really turn it into a platform. And... Mm-hmm platform where folks could, um, you know, share their ideas, share their insight, share, um, you know, just a, a way for them to network, not necessarily, uh, you know, through conferences or things like that. It was just, you know, really kind of a, a virtual platform in a lot of ways. So we launched a, we put some development dollars into an app, um, which we released in, in April. And it's nice. called SHI Connect for anybody yep. that's in student housing that would like to, to be a part of that. Um, just go to your app store and, and search SHI Connect. And so that's been growing and we're coming out with a lot of cool things for this next academic cycle. Um, we're going to be doing some market meetups at different universities, kind of building off of that regional thing, but even to a smaller scale. And, um, you know, I'll just tell people to look out on our website for, for that information, but, um, we're going to be doing that. We're also looking at, um, I've got to get some additional buy-in from the operators out there, but creating a leadership forum. Um, I mentioned earlier that we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of folks that are my age that when, um, when we were coming up in this industry, things were moving so fast and, you know, in a lot of situations, I mean, I wasn't moving from company to company. Um, 
I stayed with the University Housing Group for you know over eight years. But there, you know, everybody was kind of switching, you know, between companies and and you know, we always ended up kind of finding each other in a market and or running into each other in a market, as it may seem. And so we didn't when we you know, ran into issues, we didn't have a problem picking up the phone and saying, Hey, I've got this issue. You know, have you encountered it before? Um, things have become so much, the companies within, uh, especially if you look at like the top four companies within student housing, they've become very large companies. Oh yeah. Very big. And, and they've done a very good job of, um, of building culture there as well. And because of that, those employees aren't going anywhere. And what I'm seeing, you know, there was a response. We, we also have, um, a monthly webinar called shop talk. Um, and shop stands for student housing operations, but it's for basically anybody involved in, in student housing. But that came out of something that Chris Richardson at core and yeah, Christine's great. And then, um, and also Miles Worth, uh, Jen Cassidy, Dan Aldersdorf, they had kind of said, you know, at the beginning of, or in the middle of March, hey, we got to figure out what to do with our March of 2020. We got to figure out what, what we're going to do with our employees and how, you know, we're going to um, deal with lease agreements when the schools start canceling the semester. And so they started a weekly, it was just called the, you know, the student housing call. And it was, <laughs> it was happening weekly, maybe even twice a week um, there at the beginning. But ultimately, it ended up becoming a monthly call, um, really just checking in. Not, it wasn't so much on what, you know, sharing, you know, asking questions and, and sharing answers, but more so just on, insight and transparency into you know what was happening from a leasing perspective which i think is i think is as well as a collections um standpoint because that was the one thing you know we were getting asked every which way we turned you know what is what is collections going to look like this summer when summer of 2020 when you know all of these students end up deciding to go home or, or whatever the situation is and so and again, the, the industry was just very resilient. There was, I would actually say, May of 2020, <laughs> most companies had their their best collection efforts ever. Um, and I think it's just because everybody was so hyper-focused on it. And I mean, I know as I was a parent of a student in student housing during that time. And I know we, you know, I talked about it yesterday. He was there for a little bit. I think oh, that was the second semester they went back during COVID, but the year they sent everybody home, we just kept paying for an empty apartment and empty utilities. So I think, and we felt like we, we need, I mean, listen to the question of, you know, are we going to do this? We had to. And it, you know, I think a lot of us parents just did. Um, and, you know, we spent a lot of money on empty apartments that time, during that time, but yeah. then it wasn't a question of whether we were going to put them back in the next semester because we all had hopes they would leave the house eventually again. Uh, yep. We all rented apartments again. And, you know, they, I think, went back and did remote school from their apartments. So do you feel like that helped the industry? Um, because, I mean, parent, you didn't know. So you, it was almost like you, this is, um, student housing doesn't seem, as a, as a consumer, it doesn't seem like an option. It seems like it, this is something I have to do. 
um, more than I think conventional and housing side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the students were certainly, they did not, especially the students who were already in college. It was a little bit different with those that were graduating seniors in 2020, graduating high school seniors. Um, cause I think they were so, you know, burned out on losing their proms, losing their, you know, graduation oh, yeah. ceremonies that they're yeah. like, I'm gonna, those too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to piss off my freshman year of, you know, being cooped up and, and not going to class. And so a lot of them chose a gap year, um, which was equally as frustrating because you couldn't fly anywhere. You couldn't, yep. you know. So, um, programs were shut down. So your gap year was not as structured as some gap years could be. Yeah. 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 And so when it came to, you know, when it came to fall 2020 and especially fall 21, the students were like, I, you know, I, I'm not living with mom and dad. And so, um, but anyway, that, that's what that phone call, you know, kind of started from. And then, um, Miles came to me back in, um, back in, in January when I was interviewing for the profiles podcast. And he said, cause I asked him how it was going. Cause somehow I'd fallen off the, the invite list for the monthly call. And he's like, yeah, it's going, I think everybody wants to continue doing it, but honestly, we've been doing this for two years. And if somebody wants to do it, the, there's got to be some more leadership in the industry to, to step up. And so long story short, we ended up, um, uh, saying, you know, we would, we would take over hosting it. If we could get a leadership committee together, we got a leadership committee together. That's just fantastic. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I did tell Miles, I said, I'm not going to call it the monthly student housing call because that sounds dreadful. <laughs> um, it's branded something. And so we came up with um, Shop Talk. Um, I keep saying we, and I don't think I've ever, I, I don't think I've yet given um, credit to who the other we, you know, who the other person is that makes us we. Um, but that's Greta Dare. Um, Greta worked with me at the past with Campus Evolution and, um, she started her own marketing, uh, company and she was kind of the person that, uh, she's built our, every website that we version that we've done. And, um, we, we kid that her real title is the creator of all things. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's what she does. But, um, she also serves as a, as a co-host. And so when I say we, that's, that's really what it comes that, that is student housing insight other than, you know, uh, we got a video guy and a couple of other contractors that we work with from time to time, but that's, that's really it. So, um, so, you know, getting back to these things that we're, we're putting out and creating this networking platform, um, we're doing the, uh, as I mentioned, we're doing the SHI connect app. Um, we've got shop talk, we're doing the market meetups. And then we started thinking about, this uh, doing some type of leadership form because going back to, you know, how that, that student housing call started was a great response to COVID and, and the industry performed very well because those leaders picked up the phone and said, and these were leaders that, you know, as I mentioned, we were, 
you know, we, we kept seeing each other in the same markets. We, you know, would run into each other, not necessarily at conferences, but, you know, just doing our daily stuff. There was a lot of transactions that, um, you know, we would be a part of and, and have to do that, you know, whole handoff. And so we knew each other really well. And so it was, you know, even though we competed like heck against each other, it was one of those things where at that point in time, no one had a problem picking up the phone and saying, Hey, what are you doing? You know, am I doing this right? And what I'm fearful of is this next generation of, uh, you know, leaders within the company, they haven't necessarily ran into that. Um, you know, they're, they're keeping properties longer. Um, so, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to meet each other because of, that's that's been lower it's anyway i had i had just the thought occurred to me that you know if we had another some other incident and god forbid another pandemic but would that leadership be ready to you know to respond and we said you know what we need to we need to think about that and and look at you know providing some type of solution so I said, you know, we've got to put a, a leadership forum together. And so for our operating partners um, uh, that are going to be joining us this next year, they have the, the ability to nominate up to two um, employees that they, they view as a future leader within their company. You know, somebody what? that's that may so cool. Into the and we've, uh, we're in the process of partnering with, I don't, do you know, you know um, Jocko Willick, Leaf Babin wrote a no. book called, um, uh, they're both Navy SEALs, um, retired Navy SEALs. And they've, um, Jocko's got his own podcast and he's got, he does a lot of things for, um, you know, TV shows and things like that. But uh, they they read this book. Um, uh, I think I've got it here, actually. Yeah, right here. So, extreme well, ownership. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Um, and so, and, and they go over this thing that they call the four combats of, or the four laws of combat, and it's um, this was this book was very impactful for me, and and really speaks to you know you can't blame other people like no matter where you're at on the totem pole you can't blame someone else and you've got to take ownership for you know the position that you're in and maybe even the position that you're not in. <laughs> sometimes and and so um so I, I called them up and said hey i'm thinking about doing this could we work on a curriculum together that you know, we could have four or five virtual meetings and then a, uh, you know, kind of a boot camp, you know, in-person come together thing that we would do, you know, next spring. And they loved the idea and said, yeah, let's, we'd love to work with you on that. So we're in the process of, of doing that and making sure that our operating partners will support it. And I hope they all will. Um, and, Cause I think it's, I think that's going to be something that, you know, is, really going to set the industry up for something um, spectacular in the future. So 
How can yeah. the rest of the industry support you? Can suppliers support you? Can vendors support you? Is that to come or? It is coming. Um, <laughs> we've uh, we've been working on a, a media kit for quite some time, and it's uh, it's almost ready. And I keep having people asking me, "Hey, how can we support this? How can we how can we do this?" And I'm like, "Trust me, there's a day coming." Um, <laughs> keep asking. Gonna, it's coming. <laughs> Yeah, you know, get your checkbook out, and um, yeah, that's going to be here in the next couple of months. So yeah, if someone's listening to this that you know is either service servicing the student housing side or you know wants to break into servicing student housing, yeah, send me an email west at studenthousinginsight.com dot com, and we'll uh, we'll connect for sure. Fantastic. That was my next question. How can people connect with you? So perfect. Right on the nail, right on the head there, Wes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Website is studenthousinginsight.com. Um, also for, for shop talk, it's got its own separate website. Um, Cause if something happens to me, God forbid, <laughs> shop talk is going to live on. Um, that is the, that is the, the industry's thing. That is the leadership committee they've got ownership of it i am simply administering it um, but it, the website for that is shoptalk.info um, so certainly would would recommend everybody that's in the student housing business to register for that um, it's typically the second tuesday of every of every month got to change it up a little bit uh, we will will not be doing one in august i'm not sure when you're when you plan on putting this out but um as everybody knows <laughs> there are no outside is he, events in is August. Is in August? What happens then? <laughs> exactly. So I um, know that you also are involved. I know you're a supporter of the W Collective, which is one of the great new things in student housing as far as women. That means leadership. I'm an ally. Huh? You said, I think that means I'm an um an ally, yes, you're an ally, <laughs> um, which we are obsessed with. We really um, love that and um, all of the, the great female leaders involved in that as well. Yeah. Um, and then I think you and I talked a little bit about um, something that we're involved in that we're asking, you know, other supporters and other suppliers and in context in the industry if they want to work with us, because I know you're throughout nationwide as well, and that's the Atlanta um, Apartment Association Foodathon, which is in, we're in the Jeez. middle of right now, which is the world's largest food drive. Um, I got a chance to tour that facility, and it is amazing. So, yeah, um, yeah we would love to have you. Um, I know you mentioned that you participated in it with we were with Lane previously yeah. for a little bit, and you participated in it. Um, and would love to have you guys help spread awareness and, and do stuff like that. Um, yeah, but what other you. initiatives do you personally um, take on um, that you are you try to um, use to advance um, some of the greater good of this industry? Well, I think one that is brand new and was just announced um, at the Interface Conference back in, in May when we were all in Austin um, uh, is a mental health coalition that we are um, – uh, all working together. I think there's 26 or 27 companies now that have agreed to be a part of it. Um, and what they will be doing, you know, mental health is a huge issue 
for everybody and and for our college students, especially those that you know are living off campus. Because uh, part of the reason people go off campus is because they don't want to have an RA. Um, you know, that's that's breathing. Not necessarily. I don't know any RA that ever breathed down anyone's neck, but <laughs> you know, they don't. Uh, they want to feel independent, and you know, with that independent also comes sometimes when, you know, people are alone with their thoughts <laughs> and, it, you know, and given everything, especially what's happened over the past, you know, two years through this pandemic, um, mentally we're not healthy people. I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. And, um, and it's especially, uh, the case for, um, for college students. And, you know, I think, I think the big question was how do we, how do we support those students? How do we educate, you know, our employees on how to notice things, how to, uh, you know, what kind of questions to ask, you know, in order to get somebody help, um, and so they, you know, a couple of people came together and said, Hey, we should probably look at creating something like this. And so they will be, um, they will be conducting a survey this fall of all college students. Um, I think late September, maybe even October, cause, um, it's going to be a national thing. And, um, a lot of the universities on the West coast don't start till September. So, um, so I think it's going to be a late September deployment where, you know, we're working with the Jed Foundation uh, as well as um, one of the big immediate uh, sponsors, or I shouldn't say sponsor because we're really sponsoring them, but partners with it uh, is the Hi, How Are You Foundation um, that's based in Austin, Texas. And ACC has done a lot of work with them over the past couple of years and, and given them support and uh, so, you know, this group, this group of individuals, um, reached out to them. And then I also said, Hey, we should, you know, you guys should be talking to the Jed foundation as well. Um, because the Jed foundation is, you know, they, both for high school and college, um, you know, they're the ones that are, you know, putting, putting all the stuff together for guidance counselors and for, you know, folks in the, on the, on the college level of helping their students out and um, maintaining call centers and things like that for suicide hotlines. And so, um, so that has, has begun to come together. And so this survey will be going out to all college students um, come this September. And that should be actually the largest survey of college students when it comes to their, you know, as far as answering questions on their um, mental health. And so we'll be very. As a parent who had a student who went through some significant mental health issues during COVID um, and in college, um, I am so supportive of this. And um, it's, I don't know any really, honestly, college students that got by unscathed um, in some way or another. Um, and, and has some kind of issue among just the, the massive amount of college kids I know from having three kids. But um, I don't know if you're aware of a um, kid and out of, and he's actually, he's a kid who grew up with my son is one of his best friends, but 
Um, he, well, during his time at University of Alabama, started a, um, a so what, kind of a web series and a website where kids can get college, it's from college kids to college kids called The Best Me. And um, they're the also- best me. Yeah, I, I haven't looked into it, but I have heard, uh, I've, I've definitely heard about it. Yeah, and so Nick shares a lot of his own personal feeling and his own personal stories. And they've done a really good job too of like bringing kids in and, and helping because mm -hmm. sometimes it helps to hear from somebody else your own age. Yeah. Um, I think it has been there and has done that. And you see, you're not as alone because I think this age group tends to think that they're the only ones that feel anything. One of the things we keep telling our, kept telling our student during that time is you're the star of your own movie. Nobody else cares. Um, and so like, you know, and here's a trophy for it. <laughs> yeah. Like you, it's not like anybody cares about you, but nobody's watching everything you do and judging everything. They're too busy judging themselves. So, um, yeah what you're doing here is so huge and such a big um need right now so um i cannot be more uh, grateful that you're doing it i would echo yeah. what christina said 100 percent. when i was in school this was my deepest passion was mental health on campus i lost a classmate to suicide my senior year and i'm a survivor of a family suicide and so mental health is a big thing i can remember being on campus and starting a small business that tried to raise money for improved mental health resources for college students. Suicide is yeah. the second highest uh, rated cause of death amongst college kids. It's like one in 1400 will commit suicide. And it's absolutely incredible um, when you look at the availability of resources on and off campus targeted specifically to college students. You know, there's so much that a university can do, but there's a lot that a university can't and sometimes won't do. And, you know, I uh, think it's absolutely appropriate and incredible that, you know, uh, where these students seek shelter and refuge and home, their safe place, that can be a resource for them. And the yeah. industry can support them in that way and to, to be a voice and a reason and a continuation of a safe space for them um, yeah. where they where they go home, right? Their, their housing. I think that's absolutely incredible. I uh, am, I would, my point is I would echo Christina. I am deeply passionate about uh, college student mental health. And um, I think this is an incredible effort. Yeah, it's and I'm not directly involved with it, but um, just because of you know what I'm doing with with Shop Talk and it's Jen Cassidy is is um, one of the I think three or four leadership members, um, maybe five with um, with the coalition and and so we talk to each other uh, quite a bit because of Shop Talk and. Um, we wanted to announce that on shop talk as well. And so uh, that's put me in, in touch with them and, you know, it kind of put me in the position to, to suggest, you know, partnering with the Jed foundation. So, you know, happy to do that, but in no way am I, am I actually, uh, you know, directly involved with uh, as leadership with, with that. I want to be upfront about that, but um, it is something that, I'm super proud that they've done this and um, and that our industry has has really stood up to the call and um, you know and you, you know you mentioned your 
kind of personal experiences in college with that. One thing that I hope we're really able to support because, you know, I'd love to be able to, to eliminate suicide, but you know, the truth is that's not, I don't think that that's achievable, but I have worked with a lot of college students who have had roommates that have committed suicide and they're part of what, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the coalition is doing is also being able to, to give those roommates support because, um, you know, sometimes these roommates are the ones that find, you know, their roommate that has committed suicide. And, um, I've just, I've just seen a lot of, you know, very level-headed college students that, you know, were high on life that this, really put them in a dark place and you know they there's guilt associated with it you know of hey could i have done more um you know did i did i not see something or you know i certainly saw this coming and you know i felt like i could have done more um so yeah that's that's going to be a i hope that's going to be a key focus as well making sure that we're not leaving those folks out I absolutely agree. And thanks for highlighting that because that is important. That is so important. And Wes, I uh, think that the gratitude here is just continued for this whole conversation. I mean, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, I am inspired. I know our audience will be inspired by your story and your journey and what ultimately led you here to student housing and everything that you're doing. Um, for all the people involved, as well as the students, which is really exciting. I have a small college student following because of what I was doing previously while in school, which was not that long ago. Uh, Hello, five years ago. That's okay, though. We won't talk about my age. Um, But uh, I know that I have quite a few friends who are about to graduate or have recently graduated, a few here in our office, um, who will be deeply touched by the impact that the student housing um, industry has on the lives of the students because it's it's a huge impact. There is some real responsibility here and it is encouraging and inspiring to know that um, a leader like you is so committed to being a voice, being a shepherd, serving, uh, being present and being engaged. So thank you for talking to us this morning. Thank you for spending um, time with us on Coffee Chats. We're grateful for you and your leadership and your wisdom. Um, And we're so pumped to have had you. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here and glad we got this time to, to chat and find out a little bit more about each other and excited about you know, the work that you guys are doing as well. And, um, uh, but, uh, you know, certainly looking forward to, um, seeing you guys grow this podcast and, and, you know, be a, be another place where the industry can kind of come together and, and hear each other's stories and figure out ways to support each other. Thanks Wes. We are pumped about 
meaningful conversations here. And for our audience, thank you for coming back and listening. We're so thankful for you and the community that we're building. Uh, you know, the Solutions by Southwest Utility podcast has always been a place for people to come and to hear and to share stories and to uh, hear and to give wisdom. And we are excited to continue that with our Coffee Chat series. Uh, Christina and I are passionate about relationships and building authentic community. And we're so grateful that you've decided to be a part of it. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We're so excited for our next guest who's coming online uh i will not say anything else you'll just have to wait for that episode it's gonna be great um but until next time guys we'll talk soon bye thanks thanks guys